This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Voices from the front lines. Worried about repercussions. Mask or no mask. Don't get a false sense of security. Policy patchwork. This will go down in history as a profound failure of our national government. Good morning. I'm Steve Kathan in Washington with the CBS World News Roundup. Coronavirus cases now top one million worldwide. About a quarter of them are here in the United States. As the numbers rise in this country dramatically, medical resources are under unbelievable pressure. Our coverage begins this morning with CBS's David Begno in New York City. The things that I see in the ER are scary. This is a video diary from Dr. Matthew Bai. In it, he's describing what he says he sees every day at Mount Sinai Hospital in Queens. You can see all the rooms are filled. Usually these halls are very neat and empty. And now you can see there's patients everywhere because of this. Some nurses in the Bronx took to the streets Thursday to protest the lack of personal protective equipment. Every day when I go to work, I feel like a sheep going to slaughter. An admiral who's leading FEMA's supply chain task force confirmed that federal supplies are not going directly to the states. They are going to a middleman distributor. And governors say that's when they're forced to bid against each other for the equipment. This crisis has hit very close to home for Daniel Drum. He's a member of the New York City Council. Five of his friends have died from the virus so far. Whenever somebody goes into the hospital, my thinking is, will I ever see them again? Will they ever come out? And the current thinking about masks in New York City is to wear one when out in public, if possible. CBS's Stephen Portnoy says here in Washington there is debate. There's still no agreement on the task force. Dr. Deborah Burke says she worries Americans will misinterpret guidance, advising Americans to cover their faces. And we don't want people to get an artificial sense of protection because they're behind a mask. While the vice president says guidance is coming in the next few days, 
Burks doesn't sound as certain, stressing the importance of Americans washing their hands and keeping their distance. When the advisory comes out, it will be an additive piece if it comes out, rather than saying this is a substitute for. Two cruise ships, the Rotterdam and Zandam, docked at Port Everglades, Florida yesterday. Hundreds of passengers without symptoms are now flying home. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez has the latest. It's going to be a very controlled exit. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis applauded local and federal officials for finalizing what he called a thoughtful plan. More than a dozen passengers who needed immediate medical assistance were already transferred to nearby hospitals. Passengers on board both ships received health screenings yesterday. Those cleared for travel would be taken by private bus to charter planes over the next few days. Some local officials say this was the best possible outcome. How do you allow the ship to come in without affecting our community? And I think the deal today that we struck was a win-win. Broward County Commissioner Mark Bogan says he advocated for a 14-day quarantine at a local Air Force base, but that fell through. Do you feel comfortable with the way the situation has been handled right now? Absolutely not. I really have a lack of trust in what the cruise line was telling us. Another ship, the Coral Princess, plans to arrive at Port Everglades on Saturday. In a statement, Princess Cruises said 12 people on board tested positive for COVID-19. The captain of the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt, hit hard by the virus, has been relieved of his command by the Navy. Acting Secretary of the Navy Thomas Modley says Captain Brett Crozier went outside the chain of command by publicly saying what was going on there. I could reach no other conclusion that Captain Crozier had allowed the complexity of his challenge with the COVID breakout on the ship to overwhelm his ability to act professionally when acting professionally was what was needed most at the time. Many sailors are now off that ship. At the stroke of midnight, the government launched a $350 million lending program designed to help small businesses that have been walloped by the economic shutdown. And Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin says money to individuals is on the way. I had previously said this would take us three weeks. I'm pleased to report that within two weeks, the first payments will be direct deposit into taxpayers' account. The government releases its report on March employment this morning. We know last week 6.6 million sought jobless benefits. Each state is unique, and that's true when it comes to the patchwork of stay-at-home orders and directives. CBS's Ed O'Keefe on the push for national action. The calls are coming despite the Constitution, leaving most health and public safety concerns to state and local officials. The tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But any Fauci agreed there should be a national order. If you look at what's going on in this country, I just don't understand why we're not doing that. Forty states and the District of Columbia have issued some kind of stay-at-home order over the past month. Despite information as far back as February about patients being asymptomatic, the governor of Georgia waited until Wednesday to issue his statewide order. Individuals can be infected and begin to spread coronavirus earlier than previously thought. This week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott also ordered schools closed through May 4th and said that only essential services can remain open. But he insisted... This is not a stay-at-home strategy. Local officials like Dallas County Leader Clay Jenkins say Abbott should have acted sooner. He issued a countywide order back on March 22nd. With the unemployment line growing longer, more people are facing the challenge of simply putting food on the table. 
Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Welcome relief as the National Guard arrived to keep the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank operating. As demand intensifies, donations and volunteers are dropping rapidly. So we got these salads. Pedro Rodriguez and his family have enough food to last one week. Would you be able to have dinner tonight if you didn't go to the food pantry? Not much, no. Maybe lunch. With the entire family laid off, they're relying on this food pantry at Willing Heart Community Center in Newark. But on Tuesday, the food ran out. You'll run out of that today. Uh, We'll run out of that today. We've already run out of eggs. Last week, Feeding America saw a 92% jump in demand for food. CEO Claire Fontenot. We can't meet the challenge of this moment without additional help. A dire situation families can only take day by day. Meg Oliver, CBS News, Newark, New Jersey. General Motors has begun training auto workers in Kokomo, Indiana to make ventilators. WWJ Radio's Jeff Gilbert. Temperatures will be checked before workers even enter the site. They'll wash their hands, put on a medical-grade face mask. You clean your workstation when you arrive and when you leave. Those single-person workstations space six feet apart. Cleaning crews, meanwhile, will be sanitizing common areas three times a shift. A major video conference has been called for Monday involving key oil producers. It comes after word that Russia and Saudi Arabia are apparently ready to cut production in a bid to stabilize prices. And experts say with travel down, carbon dioxide emissions will drop significantly. Most of our national parks are wide open spaces, but in an era of social distancing, should they stay open? The Grand Canyon's closed, but others are still operating. Here's CBS News correspondent Chip Reed. I wound up walking out of my job. Dustin Stone worked at Klondike Gold Rush Park in Alaska. I had been in contact with some peers at parks in the lower 48 that were telling me horror stories about their parks being overloaded with visitors. Your decision to quit your job with the Park Service is basically a protest. Yes, it is. Crowds are expected this weekend at hundreds of open national park sites across the country. I think it's some pretty weird mixed messaging coming out of the White House to say, stay home unless you're going to a national park, in which case, go for it. Chipri, CBS News, Washington. And that's the CBS World News Roundup for Friday, April 3rd. The broadcast is produced by Paul Ferry. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? 
Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.